Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome back to the Rich Shields Golf Show podcast, everybody. Episode number sixty-nine. Uh, it's gonna. This is a good podcast this week. I really enjoy. We laughed the most we've ever laughed in this podcast. There might be a spell in the middle of this podcast where it almost. We've, I've not checked the audio yet. We're laughing that hard. I'm just going to put a pre-warning in there. You might want to turn it down at that point. Yes, because uh, guy goes into a character. Yeah, which I've not seen before. And I'm not sure if I want to see again. I think you do want to see again. You really enjoyed that character. But today was a good one. It was our first one sponsored by our new sponsor, which we're going to come on to when the podcast starts. Um, we talk about Augusta. We do. Picks. Who we, who we want to win. Who we think will win. And an outsider. Yes. Uh, like I said, we've got one of the best Dear Rick um, stories ever. <laughs> I'm not sure how good not the, the advice. Not the best answer ever, though. <laughs> and that's proudly sponsored by our new sponsor as well. Um, we've also talked about... Go on, try and remember. Uh, oh, um, UK versus yeah. America. Yes. Who has more fun on the golf course? That which a... which setup is more fun? So if you're a UK listener, it's worth listening to. If you're a US listener, it's worth listening to. And if you're neither, then you can have the really good opinion. You can sit on the fence Ooh. and say, actually, I've been there, been there. Yeah, you can have an input like as well. It. Uh, so that's a really good section as well. Uh, we also answered some of your questions from Facebook, whether uh, I would sign with Nike again, and if I would, why? And also whether I'd look at another clothing sponsorship. Um, and we answered some more questions about if I won the Masters, what would be my favourite meal? Bit of a letdown your meal, really. Yeah. I think on hindsight, you could have done much better than that, but... Maybe. Maybe when, when I do win it, I will figure out what happened. Also, we talked about, really went in quite depth, about my first round back, mm. my first break 75, which hopefully you've watched. Um, and if you've not, it's on YouTube. But I talk about the highs and lows, how I could do better, and uh, hopefully I will do next time. Well, I enjoyed today. I really did. I think we've actually done this early, a couple of days earlier than normal to get it out ready. We've got Easter break, because we're a couple of days off. It's a good one. Oh, yeah. I am, yeah, yeah. All right. I'll, uh, you're not allowed to me, though. <laughs> so, guys, enjoy the podcast. Rock, paper, scissors. Um, I want to do it. Yeah. One, two, three. Oh, Winners sake. always win. Um, you ready? Okay, I'm going to count your win from two, one, go. Welcome back to the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, everybody. I'm your host here, Rick Shields. I'm here with producer Guy, and we're excited because this episode and the next 10 episodes is sponsored by Motor Caddy. 
powered by a motor caddy. That sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds really good. We're excited because it's a partner that we have uh, been in talks with for a while, and I think it's going to add a lot of value to the podcast. There's going to be some exciting giveaways mm-hmm. that you guys are going to get involved in, and uh, we're also excited to take some motor caddies out on the golf course. We are indeed, but let's just take a step because we've done this is. 69, did you say it is? Episode, Episode number 69. 69. Nice. <laughs> and we've kind of joked about sponsorship before, haven't we? Yes. But equally, we have held out until we found a sponsor that we really felt would fit what we wanted to do. Correct. And also, we are committed to adding value to our listeners, and we don't want to just start pushing things down people's throat unless it's your mini egg bars, etc. Of course. So motor caddy, for those of you who aren't to work, possibly more in the States, because I didn't realise this, but electric golf trolleys, and that's what motor caddy are, they are um, one of the world's leading trolley brands, and they specialise in electric trolleys. Yes. So I didn't know this, I think you might have known this, but apparently in the States, certainly in America, electric trolleys aren't really a thing yet. No, over here in the UK, we see them riding around fairways every day, because the culture here in the UK is to walk when you play golf. Mm-hmm. And unless you're using a push cart, which again, are not very easy to use and you know take a lot of strain, electric trolleys, motorized trolleys, motorized push carts, which I think they're also known as in the US, mm-hmm. are very, very popular over here. Um, in the US, it's, you kind of see buggies and you see golf carts, but there's definitely a trend now moving towards getting fitter, getting healthier, walking the golf course, and there's no better way than having a motorized, effectively, a caddy that follows you around, or you push around, or there are actually some options where there's a remote control version Well, that's well. what you've got, the remote control <laughs> one. But yeah, so I actually, this is why when, so about, how did this start now? Probably about three or four months ago, one of the guys from Motor Caddy messaged me on LinkedIn, slid into my DMs, and he just said, oh, we really like the podcast, we'll listen to it at the office. Um, and, I, and that won me around a little bit. So another listen, which is good, they enjoy what we do. <laughs> But I grew up, and I've actually touched on this, but I think before in previous podcasts, at the golf course I grew up at, which was very, very hilly, the culture was that all the juniors who were really into the golf had electric golf trolleys because, yes, you could have a pull trolley, but on a hilly golf course, that actually use a lot more energy. And when you get to that level where you actually want to play good golf and you're concerned about your score, you want every advantage you can get. And if you've walked four miles or 10,000 steps on a hilly golf course, pulling a trolley or carrying a bag, you're not going to perform as well on hole 18 as your competitors are. No. So for me growing up, it was very kind of normal to use one. And when you use a normal kind of push trolley in a bag, it's around 17 kilos of weight. So over four hours or four miles, whatever you want to call it, that's a lot of stress, a lot of strain. Sure is. So it's something I've always um, used, I've grown up with. So when they wanted to well, approach us about sponsoring the podcast, I thought, well, that's a product I believe in. That's something that we like. Let's do it. Exactly. And you know what? They've come on leaps and bounds. You talk about when, again, you growing up, and I remember it back in the day, I didn't particularly play at a hilly golf course. So the juniors at my place didn't particularly have them, but it became much more popular culture. But they were dead bulky. Battery was huge on mm. it. And they weren't very easy to fold. Well, that has changed enormously because they're so much easier to fold these days. The the style and the design on them are fantastic. And there's an amazing range of motor caddy electric trolleys that you can see on. And if you want to visit the website, we'll put a link down below. There's some amazing options, some that have like downhill control. I mean, that's quite a cool little feature. That's the one I've got, the M5 DHC. I tell you who needed that. 
the guy on the uh, Nightmare Golf story right, from last week. The water. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's also ones with GPS. As I mentioned, there's also ones with remote controls, um, lithium batteries as well, so you can last 36 holes and extra. Um, they are definitely now becoming a very integral part of a what I would class as a modern golfer's toolkit to help them play better golf. Well, I went back to, as I've said last week, I've rejoined my old school golf club, Puffwood Golf. And I went up on, um, one day this week, I think it was, well, I can't remember what day it was, that doesn't matter. But I went up to, I had to pay a couple more fees for like England golf and golf insurance. And I went to the old pro shop where I spent many a day working and sitting there eating Mars bars and stuff. <laughs> Did you work in the pro shop? Yeah, for about three years. I didn't know that. I was the number one um, grip fitter, spike remover and Mars bar salesman in the Northwest. No way. And um, loads of the members who, some of which obviously I know really well, some of which I kind of knew the faces of, some I'd never seen before because I've not been there for a while. But every golfer, certainly the hardcore ones, have an electric trolley. So we wanted to kind of introduce this today, and it's not something that every week we start going about all the time and trying to sell. Ultimately, if you want an electric trolley and you want the best, go to Motocaddy. Also, we have followed them on our Instagram accounts. If you follow at the Rick Shields Golf Show, the only, it only follows three people. Wow. Well, three accounts. It wow. follows Rick Shields. I'd like to think it does. It does. <laughs> it follows Guy Charnock. Well, yeah. Of you course, set it up. I set it up. Of course, it follows me. <laughs> but it also follows Motocaddy. So if you want to find them on Instagram, you can either search Motocaddy, which is really easy enough to do. But head on to our Instagram, at the Rick Shields Golf Show. Click the following list, and you'll see them straight up there. So, yeah, spelling M-O-T-O-C-A-D-D-Y, electric trolley to help you play better golf, and proud sponsor of the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, like we mentioned, for the next 10 episodes. And also, there's a section in this podcast and for the next 10 podcasts the dear rick section is also powered and sponsored by motorcaddy so if you have your story read out yes. in the next 10 weeks and i believe we've had a massive influx of, of emails we are going to randomly pick somebody at the end of the of the 10 weeks and not only the first pick is going to get an amazing prize but also the second pick out of the hat is also going to get an amazing prize from motorcaddy so effectively if you get your story read out, you've got a two in ten chance of winning, a one in five chance of winning. I'm sold. <laughs> but you're right. We've had loads of dear Ricks. This week we'll come on to in a bit. Is an absolute banger. Um, but yeah, the motorcaddy said, let's give something away to the audience. Let's make it a dear Rick prize. Let's sponsor that. So why not? Exciting. So go and show that. Go and show your support to those guys because it helps us make even better podcasts. And we've got some exciting news because this could be. I don't want to preempt this because there's a lot to go on yet. Mm-hmm. This could be the last time we film and record the podcast in where we have been filming at the Marriott because we've got some really exciting developments on the new podcast studio coming together. It's going to be tight for next week, but there's a possibility. I'm getting more and more excited as the day goes on, as the days go on, because it's looking more and more like it's going to be a sick studio. It's going to be ridiculous. Um, right, Masters Week. Before that, before Mas- Masters Week's important, but before that, I want to talk about your first round of golf back. Oh, yeah? Because everybody has now seen it. We are actually recording this podcast a few days in advance because of the Easter break. So this is actually only Thursday. You're listening on probably the Tuesday. But everybody by now has seen your first round back and your first um, break 75 where you played at the Marriott Worsley Park and you shot... Uh, I didn't shoot 75. I didn't break 75 anyway. Um, it was disappointing. People know the score by now, so you may as well say it. All right, has everyone watched? 
Well, this is Tuesday. We're now on Friday. If you've not watched, I'm going to break the news. So yeah, you can well, pause if you've not it now watched, it's your watch fault it. for not watching it. Yeah. So I went round 18 holes at Marriott Worsley Park, which is par 71. One of my favourite golf courses, one that I know like the back of my hand, there's a load of filming here. I honestly thought it would be a start that would put me in a good state for the next 12 weeks of break 75s and um, shot 77. Not horrendous. Yeah. It pre- started off quite horrendous, didn't it? Pretty bad. In summary, I've worked out two things. And I didn't say it in the video, but after I've mulled it over, there was two really important shots that... that really symbolised why it didn't go particularly my way. Talk to me. Two bunker shots. The one where you lost the ball. I lost the ball out of a fairway bunker. Yes. That was quite tricky, though. It was a hard shot. And the bunker before that, the third, fourth. Was that the par three? Yeah. I can't remember what you did with that one. Did you put it big? through yeah. the back. So both bunker shots yeah. resulted in two double bogeys. You know what I learned from watching you play golf? I think I said this to you at the time. <laughs> <laughs> that golf on the driving range on a simulator and stuff like that sounds obvious this is so far removed from real golf because you hit some shots that were quite bad with the driver for example whereas if you hit that on the simulator it's oh, it's gone left let's put another one down smack it and that and then you look at the good one but in re- it sounds obvious in real golf that doesn't happen every shot counts doesn't it literally I, I must admit I didn't hit my driver great and there's definitely some teething issues there. And, and whether I've got quite the right one, whether I should go for the Max G425, whether I should put the weight like slightly more in the heel, um, more towards the toe, sorry, for a more fade biased. But yeah, as much as my driver was bad, it actually didn't put me in that much horrendous trouble. So I didn't lose a ball off the tee. I hit a lot of shots left, mm-hmm. but didn't. they weren't in trouble. But on another golf course, they could they could really have been in trouble. So even though it wasn't yeah. great, and I agree with you, I didn't hit many fairways at all. When I was out of position with the driver, it wasn't horrendous. So yeah, bit of teething issues there, um, but just two clinical mistakes. Like uh, I forgot early morning, and again, this is something I would definitely say it exists. So a couple of days before playing, I went in the home simulator and hit a load of shots to try and work out my distances, mm-hmm. close setting, and wrote, wrote them all down, jotted them all down, so I knew roughly how far I was hitting a seven iron and that five iron, whatever. Out on the golf course, and, and when you're out there, and we played early, we played 7.30 in the morning with Steve Hindle here, who's the golf manager from Marriott. Um, I forgot that things like the ball doesn't travel as far when it's cold. Like, when it, even though it was a lovely day, it was freezing cold in the Wasn't morning. Wasn't the morning, yeah. So, like, there were so many shots where I massively underclubbed. The second hole I underclubbed, Mr. Green. Um, the, the fourth shot, oh no, I did all right there. The, the, sorry, the fourth shot, the par three down the hill, underclubbed, found the bunker. Mm-hmm. And it's such an easy hole, that. Like, and I made double on the easy, one of the easiest holes on the golf course just because I underestimated the conditions and how much that would affect my shot distances. Yeah. Just things that, you know what, you just forget about doing when you haven't played golf for so, so long. Well, it's like you've said before, you hit what appears to be a lot of golf balls, but don't play a lot of golf. And mm-hmm. it, I know it's so, so different. That tee shot you're talking about, downhill par three, that exact shot on the simulator on GC quad, you might have gone, oh, I'll hit that a bit soft or maybe the wrong club. But actually, in real golf, like you said, you went into a bunker, tricky lie, put that through the back, come off with a double. Like one, not even that bad of a shot, mm. caused a double bogey. Exactly. And that is golf, isn't it? It's hard. Exactly. That was the other thing. Maybe in hindsight, again, I've not hit many bunker shots in the last mm. three months. Like, And I remember getting in that bunker on the fourth and thinking, I can't... I, 
I can't remember hitting a bunker shot like this for four months, five months, or whatever it yeah. may be. Maybe even longer because bunkers, even the back end of the year, were very different to the bunkers now as we hit spring. So it was very rusty. I made some clinical errors. Um, I, re- I re- resolved it okay. Um, in hindsight, I would have loved to have done it again and played better. And I loved. I would have loved to have started this series with a break seventy-five. But let's be honest, and this is why we're making these videos. That's golf. I've got a question for you then. Okay. And I want you to be honest. And I'm not, I'm not literally asking this. I'm not putting a... We've got nine more rounds to go. No, we've not. We've got 11 more rounds to go. We're doing 12, aren't we? We don't know what courses are all going to be, which is the exciting thing. We've got a couple lined up. We've got a few that we're kind of thinking about. We've got some that we don't even know yet. That's what's exciting. Not that it should have done, and it was your first round back, but did it knock your confidence in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, big time. Did it? Yeah. Why? Because I just felt like... You know, you know what I forget, and I act all cocky, and I, I act all like I'm going to beat every YouTuber under the sun. And I do honestly believe in match play; it's a totally different game. Mm-hmm. Like as much as I shot 77 shots on on whenever it was this week, um, I think in match play against somebody else who might might have shot 72 it wouldn't have been that bad of a match. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, like, because your bad holes are double. We're just going to have a loss, exactly. not a double bogey. So it? I had two double bogeys there on, on uh, four and five, which is a dead easy par three, a dead easy par five. I mean, really, the par five. I mean, that was that was effectively three shots worse than what I should have expected on that hole. And obviously the hole before, just on two holes early in the round with a scorecard in my hand, ruins it for me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that did dint my confidence. And, and again, you know what I didn't like? And this is something what made me stop playing tournament golf. I hate that feeling when you're not playing well and it just feels like every shot you just get a bit unlucky. Yeah. Or you just don't you get a few lip outs when you don't want them or like that bad lie I had on the uh, the bunker shot on number six uh, where I, was, I had a really awkward stance and I was dead, dead and it, I hadn't hit two bad shots to get there. I hit a good drive and a good three wood to get there. The ball had just trickled in the bunker so I had a really awkward stance 50 yards away from the green, a, a really hard shot anyway. And you think, God, like, give me a break. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and where a, a few putts don't they don't lip in they lip out or do you know what i mean it's just it feels like and that's what i really didn't like about playing tournament golf when it wasn't going my way it's sometimes really hard to like snap out of almost what you your perception of a bad luck yeah even though it's probably not bad luck it's just rubber the green or well, whatever it's because, it may it's because be. sounds silly if you hit a t-shirt i don't mean you if we hit a t-shirt into the trees we almost get then think it's bad luck when there's not a way out of the trees, but yeah. you hit it into the trees. Exactly. So it's kind of like, it's what you deserve, but yeah, it feels like bad luck because sometimes when you hit a shot in the trees, there might be a really clear way out. But if you put yourself in bad positions or if you hit in a bunker and you're plugged, it feels bad luck, but you've put the ball in the bunker. Yeah. So you are right, but bad shots lead to bad lies, which lead to bad scores, don't they, ultimately? The other thing I think I need to change my mindset on, and I didn't touch on it on the video, and again, maybe something later, when I normally go and play golf... I'm trying to par every hole, birdie every hole, and shoot level par or under. Mm-hmm. Like that's my mindset going into golf. I think I went in with a different mindset because I felt like I had more shots to play with because I was trying to break 75. Do you get what I mean? Because you were seeing that you had a three handicap almost buffer like, or yeah. four handicap buffer. Like, yeah. I almost felt like almost I wasn't as, as, I don't know. 
I almost felt too relaxed on a few too many shots. You know what, Matt? You know when I think you're at your best? When you're like six over after nine and you think, well, I just need to shoot a couple of yeah. at nine. And, that's and what... even if you drop one shot, it's only one shot through exactly. nine. Exactly. And that's why I think I need to start almost around like that. Like, I mean, I got off to a really bad start. But either way, yeah, I think it did dim my confidence a little bit. But I can also look at it logically and go, you know what? I actually know why There's I didn't... some positives as well. Though. Yeah, I know why I didn't shoot 75 there. And yeah. I, knew, I know why I did rack up some ridiculous scores on some holes. Question then. So there's there's twelve rounds of break seventy five. One's obviously in the can and done. Realistically, now I know we don't again. We don't know what course we're going to play. We don't know what par they're going to be yet. So it's a bit of an open question. But how many do you want? Well, two questions. How many of the rounds do you want to break seventy five at? I'm guessing that's every one. But how many do you expect you'll actually do it at? What number would you take? Now, if I could write a, sc- a number down, say you're going to do it at this many courses or this many rounds, how many would you honestly take? So let's go out of 11, because one's already done. Out of 11, would you be happy with 50%? So let's say five I'd rounds. I'd more than 50% now. So six or seven, yeah. you want to do it out. Okay, it's interesting. Yeah. That's doable. Well, yeah, I do honestly think it is. And, I, and like I say, it's one of those things, it's the first time proper scorecard in my hand for a long, long time. And, you know, and we've we've built it up. And I think that's the other thing that, you know, we don't make this easy on ourselves. Like we've told the world we're going to do this and we built it up and there's, there's this pressure. Like I do feel like my heart beats when I'm out there playing. Um, and I, like, I'll see people at the weekend go, oh, I shot 72 today or 74. And you think, bloody hell. But also like it is a slightly different mindset because it's not on camera. It's not being filmed. I know I'm putting myself out there. I know, but this is what we have to remember. I think you do a good job at this, but we could fake it if we wanted to. We could go out and shoot it and edit it that you shoot 62. Why didn't we do that? Because we're honest and you're <laughs> no. relatable. So the fact that you're selling your highs and your lows, that's what people enjoy. It's, oh, that, I it's that. relatable. I know it's you, it's not me, it's you that's kind of putting yourself out there. But it ultimately, that I think you shooting 85 and having a lot of um, kind of advice or feedback or thoughts, feelings after that and passing it on to the audience is almost as good as shooting 65 because... At the end of the day, if I want to watch amazing golfers, I'll put the Sky Sports on. Yeah, that's not what people watch YouTube for, is it? Really? No. You know, no, nobody really is ever under the illusion that you're the best golfer ever lived. But they like watching you play golf. Do you know what I need to do? And I think this is now before next week. I need to remember how to play golf. Do you, like, yeah, I might even play golf at the weekend, just nine holes, and just remember what it feels like to play, like to score, because it yeah. is like you've mentioned. It is totally, totally different. And last thing to remember is you will never beat me again after that performance. No. <laughs> we'll get out there and video your first round back oh christ don't <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be going for break 95 and they give some a massive buffer speaking of golfers that are going to break 95 this week's the masters yes and if i said this to you yesterday i don't know if it's because i don't follow that many like proper golf accounts on social media but i don't feel like there's been that much buzz yet about the masters i'm sure when this goes out on tuesday there will be a lot more obviously but i am excited i must add I'm not as excited as normal, and maybe that's because of the November Masters being so recently. I think you're right. But I also still am excited. I'm probably a seven where I might normally be a nine or a ten. But what's it been? Five months? Yeah. So it's like, it's almost not give us time to miss it. Well, I've asked you before this to give me three picks. So who you want to win, who you think will win, these could all be the same, who you think will win, and lastly... Who is your outsider that you think is going to either win or place very highly? So I've got mine. I don't think they're the best shouts. Do you want to hear mine first or do you want to go first? Just one question on that. What okay. classifies as an outsider? Well, 
see that's what when I looked at the actual list it's very hard other than the people that are playing that have won it years ago that still got a place it's very hard so my outsider isn't an outsider really at all okay. it's a bit of a rubbish shout in fact but I had a really good look this morning and I'll explain who I've picked and why when it comes to the outsider would you like me to should we do who we want to win yeah, first yeah you go first on that and then I'll follow you I want Lee Westwood to win okay the Masters yeah I want to see Lee Westwood putting on that green jacket or having Dustin Johnson put on that green jacket come Sunday afternoon, I think for for so many reasons. One, because he has always been perceived as the nearly man. Yeah. You know, he's not won a major yet. Certainly recently as well. Certainly recently. But also that almost gets like, he's, he's 48, I think now. He has really kind of gone through the, the... It feels like I've really lived, grown up only knowing about Lee Westwood being a professional golfer. Yeah. Like he's been there all through my kind of golfing life. Um, I'd love to see him win a Masters. He's playing unbelievable golf at the moment. I think there's so much emphasis and stress on him, you know, um, what's the right word, as um, someone who bottles it. Mm. And I'd love to see, I'd love him to prove people wrong. Yeah. And I want him to finish his career a major champion. That's who I want to win the Masters. Question on that then. From what I've seen of Lee Westwood at events or on your video you film with him, he seems like a really good guy. I think he's good on social media. Like you said, he's been, he turned pro in 1993, so I would have been two. So all my life I've known Lee Westwood. Question, this might not go down too well with some people, and it's not, again, open-ended question. He's a 47-year-old guy. How, do you, how would you feel if he won the Masters in terms of the perception of golf to outsiders so when you think about the best soccer players footballs in the world the young athletic you know 35 is pretty much at the end of their career does that if he won at that age how does that put golf in the spotlight of more people it could be amazing because people think actually you can be at the top level of golf at the age of 47 it's not just for young men or does it make young people think oh golf's not cool if a, if a guy who's 47 can win it's a good point and I know you mentioned it on the um when it was Tom Watson, Tom Watson was going to win the Open. What year was at, that? Uh, oh, I can't remember now. When he nearly won the Open at Thingy, Troon was it? Yeah. Um, I can't remember. No, it was. It was at Troon. Um, what? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I think it would do good for England and getting more English people in because I remember when Danny Willett won a few years ago. Yeah, it, it did feel like England golf just became huge story. Everyone was talking about we've got an English champion, you know, he's on the TV here in England. So I think for England, it would be amazing because he'd do all the press trips. I think there's a wonderful story. I think, you know, with all the highs and lows. Um, but you're right, it's probably not the aspirational pro that would bring in a, a massive amount of young golfers into the sport, mm. potentially. But I, I might be proven wrong with that. Bit of an open-ended question, really. But just, who, do you, just, who do you want to win? So I've got two, which I know isn't. But I've got Bryson, because okay. I love watching him play golf at the minute. I love watching him smash it. It excites me. He is my Tiger at the moment. Why Tiger's obviously, unfortunately, absent. Bryson's a guy that I, I turn on the golf to watch him play and watch him smack it. So I'd love to see him do well and win it. And I've also got Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood. I just yep. think he's due a major. He's been, last few years, he's really kind of upped his game. He's, he's become, obviously, a global name, a household name to some degree. And I would like to see him get his first major under his belt. I'd like yep, it to be the agree. Open. But I'd also, I mean, the Open at, Bur- was it Birkdale, where he was on form and I had massive hopes for him. The Masters for Tommy would be a nice look. Yeah, that no, long I, hair I and the green jacket, I think he'd pull it off really well. Yeah, I agree. And and he would, again, 
for for England it'd be amazing. For junior golf would be amazing. So yeah, for for the for the industry, yeah. And obviously I've met both Westwood and Tommy. They're both amazing people. Um yeah, I'd love either of those to win. So but my heart's who do you on Westwood. Think is gonna win. Okay. I'm intrigued, so you've gone with here. And this is a weird one because I almost feel like it's it could be an outsider and could be mm-hmm. I want him to win too. Okay. And it's a dead weird one. Okay. I think Paul Casey is going to win the Masters. Interesting. Now, I know that isn't, like, for some reason, I've just got this feeling. I don't know why. You know, obviously, I could look at the world ranking and go DJ or or Bryson or Rory, any of those guys, and you think they're going to win it. But I honestly think Paul Casey, with his with his again, he's got his game on at the moment. Um, yeah, that's, that's who I, that's who I think is going to win the Masters. And you've heard it here first, everybody. Paul Casey is going to win the Masters, as well as Lee Westwood. I want them both to win. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gone with JT Justin Thomas. Okay, I think he came fourth last year, and he obviously recently won the Players. I just got a feeling he's going to do well. I'd like him to win. Yeah, I think he might win. Yeah. Again, with the Masters, it's the best field in the world, isn't it? So you look at the li- you look at the list of players. You think he could win? He oh, could win. I'm, I'm literally win. on the website now, and I'm trying to pick my guy who I'm thinking is the outsider. That's what I, my outsider's not an outsider. And I'm literally yeah. looking at everyone, going, "Yep, yep, yeah, he could win. Yeah, he could win." I mean, literally, an outsider would be someone like Freddie Couples. Yeah, well, would be an outsider. But apart from that, like, I look at this list, and anybody has the capabilities of winning. Well, I'm going to shoot my outsider, and it's it's not an outsider. I'll be honest, but I've gone with Spieth. And the reason I go outsider... I think he's an outsider. Well, he's, he's at, I think I've seen him at 16 to 1 odds, yeah. which is quite good odds. But, um, well, not low odds, should I say. He's had four top 10s this year. So he's kind of, he's, he's, um, kind of, he's come back, hasn't he, really? This year has been his comeback year. He's obviously won the Masters, had two tied seconds, and he's had a third place. So he obviously likes Augusta. He can play well around Augusta. I think he's been close this year to, to winning. I feel weird calling him outside when he's a past champion and he's still kind of a, a young guy. But I also, do, although I could see him winning, I don't think he's going to win. So that's why I'm classing him as an outsider. Does that I, make I sense? I would definitely, if, if we were having this conversation last year, we'd have almost been laughing. Mm. He was a proper, proper outsider yeah, yeah. last year. Like, not even close. This year he's on the, I think, another good season. He's not no longer an outsider. Mm-hmm. So I think you can have him as an outsider. Right. I was worried about that one. I've got two. Okay. Okay. Before you tell me why why have you got them as outsiders, and I try and guess one of them. Um, maybe just not the names that people throw about winning the Masters. Do you get okay. what I mean? If right. we asked, if we did a poll, and I don't think either of these two players would be in the top fifteen, top fifteen votes from from people. Can you give me one clue, and I just try and guess one? Uh, neither are English or UK or American. I think you're gonna go Victor Hovland. No, no, I don't think he's enough to be outsider anyway. Um, I don't think you're gonna maybe rate John one as an outsider. No, he's not an outsider. Well, I don't it? think he was. But when you said not 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 American or not English, so I've got I think of people that are. There's one golfer who always is up there every single Masters. So you think how's that an outsider? Outsider and not American. Not American. But if you look at it on the grand field of of betting in golf and stuff. I mean, let me just see where he is in the world ranking right now. Give me two I seconds. I feel like I want to keep saying people, but then they're not. Like, I was going to say Matthew Fitzpatrick, no. but he's not an outsider, is he? Let, let me just get the world ranking up right now. Let me let me just. I'm going to go off world ranking to, to classify if these are outsiders. I'm going to have one more guess. Jason Day. No, I don't know why. It's um, just hard. Right. One of my guys is. 
Oh my goodness. Twenty seventh in the world. Okay. So would you class that as outside? It depends hard, in it? We've got a very loose in definition. Fact, my other one, who I thought was gonna, was going to be higher, is actually thirty second in the world. Go on, I, I'm going to class these as outsiders. Okay, hit me, Cameron Smith. Yeah, just plays good. Mm. He's not the one who I think is going to do outsider. Louis Oostenhuizen. Yeah, big time. He is always, yeah, he is always, up always there. up there. Oh, sorry, it popped the mic there. He's always up there. Um, when it comes, so I think outsiders. Where's Spieth in the world? Because I think Spieth is higher than that. Uh, where's Spieth in the world? Don't know where he is right now. Fifty uh, third. Peck. I'm looking forward to it. As I said, I'm not quite as excited as normally, but I think by the time this podcast actually comes out on Tuesday, I've had a, a few days to kind of get excited for it, watch little clips and teasers. The Masters app is always sick as well. So good, so good. I think it'll be good. I'm looking forward to watching it. You ready for the little surprise I had for you? So this morning I was doing a little bit of prep for the podcast, looking at stuff about like electric golf trolleys and stuff like that. And I found an article online that I think I want to hear your take on. You ready for this? Hit me. 10 reasons why British golfers have more fun than Americans. And it was an article on golf.com from July 15th. It was not a new article. I've been, I'm fortunate to have been to America five times in my life, but I've never once played golf in America, ever, right? never. So I don't feel like I can really have a, 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 well, I can have an opinion, but I don't really, I've not got an educated opinion on this, not an experience. So I'm going to go over the 10. I want you to say agree or disagree and okay. see what you think. And also we might put this as a clip on YouTube. So people in the comments below, make sure that you're, if you're obviously American or British or likewise, any, you know, let us know what you think. First I've, got, one, I've got a funny feeling this is going to pop as a YouTube video? Well, the first one is that people in Britain walk. So in America, and this is something you've said to me a lot of the time, it's very, very common for Americans to use uh, carts, buggies as we call them in the UK, because obviously the temperature, loads of different reasons. Over here, it's so much more common that you either walk with your bag, use an electric golf trolley or pull trolley, anything like that. So that was the first one. Do you think that is a, a more? Does that mean it's more fun in Britain or less fun? How do you see that? That we walk more often than than our um, American counterparts. I must admit, and I'm going to classify it as if I was away with the boys mm-hmm. having a weekend away, I'd want us all in buggies. Okay. Whether in the UK or, I, I just think it's got that vibe to it that's a much more kind of relaxed. You chuck a few drinks in the back. You maybe have a bit of music on. You 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 with a you with a buggy partner. Um, so I think. For, for me, if I'm looking as a fun element, and also it brings a different dynamic to it, if I'm just solely looking on fun, I honestly think golf in buggies, golf carts, is more fun. So, do you want to keep a score then? You're going to one up to America? Yeah. Or, like, we'll do it as points, so they get one point. Okay. Okay. So, number two, this is some... However... Go on. I do think more Americans should use electric golf, golf <laughs> nice trolleys. Nice save. Such as <laughs> The number one leading electric golf trolley in the world. Right. So, good save. Thanks. Number two, and this is something, again, I've got, I don't know if this is true or not, but I want to hear your take. Britons play more quickly than those guys in America. So, apparently, in America, it's seen as more of an all-day thing. You go to golf for the day, whereas in, in England and Britain, there's this culture of it's more like, get out early, get home. I would agree. Um... When I've played golf in America, 
it it just feels like more of a of a spectacle. Mm-hmm. Like you turn up, and maybe because I'm almost more a tourist. Yeah. Like you get there early, you drop off your bag. Certainly, if you're playing a nice golf course, you go and have some food. You go and hit some nice balls on the driving range and the putting green, chipping green. And you're right because everyone's almost in holiday mode. I mean, I am when I'm out there, so it's mm-hmm. hard. I'm not a member of a golf club out in America, obviously. You do feel like it's a little bit more relaxed, and you feel like. Um, however, it can also be slow, like as in, because it is a full day thing. People are chilling out, but as in, like the golf can be slow. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I've yeah. played golf on courses that are busy. Everyone's kind of a bit more relaxed, and it's just like, oh, come on, guys, let's let's speed this up. So, a which bit. is more fun then? Would you say Britain or America? Um, the pace of play. But then I've played in in the UK where it's been slow. Yeah, is that a draw then? Yeah, I can't so still, give that to either. It's still one nil to America. Yeah, I, but I wouldn't agree that America is slower than UK. I'm. It's just I've experienced slow play in America and I have mm-hmm. experienced slow play in the UK. So it, I, I wouldn't say I, I I could say one or the other on that. So number three, and this might be because the article's a bit old, so I'm not sure on this one. We might disregard this, but it claims that. Um, Britons carry fewer gizmos than the Americans. So, for example, uh, lasers, GPSs, that apparently, according to this article, in the UK, they play quicker again because they're more likely to go up to the ball, have a quick look, hit it, whereas the Americans are going to be more hitting, le- using lasers. Possibly the fact that they've used a car and they're then going to get a different club, etc. I don't know. So I'm not sure on that one if you want to include yeah. that or not. It's not and the best. It, this almost feels like it's been written by an American yeah. as a perception on UK. Because, again, that's not probably the case in the UK. Yeah. I would say everyone's got gizmos as much as they have in the US. So should we leave that one out, maybe? Yeah. Next one, this is a really good one. It says that Britain, again, i do not sure on it, but I want to hear your take. Britons don't obsess over their scores. So certainly before the world handicap system, possibly, handicaps are really only used in the UK and Britain for competitions. If you go up for a friendly knock, you don't really massively score, whereas apparently they think in America that's more the case. So it's it's more kind of light-hearted. I think the only difference, yeah, the only difference is because, again, in America, you could hand the scorecard in when not playing in the competition. Mm-hmm. So score was a, is a definite thing. The other thing they don't seem to do as much is play like match play. Don't come on to that yet. It feels like they're much more about stroke mm-hmm. play, their individual score. Like when I've been out there in America and suggested like match play, it's almost like, all right, I was just going to keep my own score. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. So I think... Well, yeah, that's, I'm going to come on to another yeah. one, I'm sure. Um, do, we obs- do we obsess about score? Do they obsess about score more than we do? Um, I'd probably say they would, yeah. I so would does that probably, make it more fun for us then? Or I would say it's more fun for us so because we have, we have many more different formats. So it's one all then? Because we play, like, the, for me, and again, I might be wrong, but from what the American people, they don't massively play Stableford. Yeah. Like, everything's stroke play. You've got to count every single shot. Um, where I think we've got much more variety in, in events that we well, play. Well, point five, then, you've led on to that nicely, is that apparently in Britain, we embrace team play a lot more. So whether that be, uh, like, foursomes or match play, or whatever it might be, we apparently do that more so. So that, again, is, is perceived as more fun. Definitely. I would 100% agree with that. I, you know, I, and maybe, is that why we're better at the Ryder Cup? Mm-hmm. Oh. So we say that's 2-1 to Britain. Is that why, all all this comes out, is that why Europe are much better at the Ryder Cup? That'll oh, really get the comments going. That is going to get the comments going. <laughs> Next one, again, not sure on this one. I feel like I've said about a lot of them, but it's just hard to, like you said, it's hard to really imagine golf when you're in another country and you've never played. Like, like I said, I have played quite a bit in America. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. But it, not all like loads of times. But go on. So apparently, another reason why it's better is that Britons don't stop at halfway houses. So in America, there's more of a culture apparently of, of stopping after nine and having something to eat, having something to drink. Whereas in the UK, it's not really a thing massively. So therefore, it speeds up play. I would say we've become more Americanized in that department. Okay. I would definitely say back in the day, halfway houses weren't really a thing. You know, if you're certainly because if you if you look at how very traditional golf courses in the UK were designed, certainly Lynx golf courses, you'd play out away from the clubhouse, turn around and play back into the clubhouse for your 18 holes, like some of your Lynx golf courses in America, uh, in Scotland, etc. Um, I think over time, when golf course design and architecture became a, a little bit more americanized like for, for example here the marriott mm-hmm. like you play a loop of 10 and then there's a halfway house designated there's been thought behind yeah. where that goes um in america i would definitely say the culture is like a prop almost like a not a meal not a sit-down meal but the menu selection is much much bigger mm-hmm. like where we might grab a butty, pre-made butty sandwich, if people don't know what that is, a packet of crisp, a drink, and off you go, because you'd want to keep up the speed of play. In America, I've, I've been known where you can literally, you can order off a proper menu, mm. and you get proper food and selection. And I don't like, want to carry on playing golf after that. It is a bit heavy, yeah. And, and you know what's another thing I've, I've experienced as well, is like, um, where you might order it at the halfway house, and because it because again, you might not want to slow play up. They'll actually drive it out to you 
in, a, in another couple of holes. But I've had, literally, I've had out on the golf course in America, like, way too much, like, food. Like, the meal, the, the meal that you think, I'll just order that pizza or whatever. <laughs> and it's like a 12-foot, like, a 12-inch, 12 12 like, pizza. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where, yeah, I think that was, I think, where we, we would grab a pasta or a pie. So who are you giving the point to then here? Can it be even split? Is one better than the other? Because to me, having some nice food half around does sound quite fun. I don't know how hungry I will be. The other big thing as well in America, and this, I think it's just met American culture anyway, like the drink selection is like massive. Stay there on that one. Like as in, I don't just mean alcoholic either. Just okay. like if you look at a fridge in America in a halfway house, you've got like your Gatorades, your waters. Every monster flavor. Like they've literally got a massive selection of drinks. Where in America, you're lucky if you get lukewarm water from mm. some places. You know what I mean? So... um that a draw then different vibes it's hard to split these isn't it because it's, it's hard to say what's more fun and again I, I go back to why i think we've become more, more americanized i've been to many golf courses now in the uk where that culture has come over mm. to the uk okay then well next one then and this is a weird it's got a weird title but it's not what it sounds like it says brit drink and drive now that doesn't mean the drink alcohol and then drive home what it's basically saying is that the culture around drinking in the UK, and again, this might be an American perception rather than the truth, is that people in the UK might play golf and then have a beer or, you know, maybe half, if there was a halfway hut or whatever, maybe maybe half a beer or something. But it's kind of, it's it's not this kind of buddy trip style excess culture. So it's much more kind of toned down. Um, Way more toned down. Apparently so. Now, I don't know if that is true. And also if that is more fun, but that is one of the points here. Again, if I was, let's say I'm, I'm out with the out with eight of my friends. We have two tea times, all playing buggies on a on a fun weekend away, whatever. If you said do you want to play, do you want this to be happening in the UK or in America? I'd choose America mm-hmm. for that for that exact point. So I, I am actually going to give that to the US. Okay, I know it's not a big drink culture, and it does scare me. And I think people listening should be aware of this. Like, I do. It does scare me in the fact that you know people do drink out on the golf course and drive home. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't be allowed. And I think there should be some regulations around that. Uh, but I see members of golf courses drink after the round of golf and still drive yeah, home. Like, it, it is really silly. So um, just be careful if you are drinking on the golf course. It still counts. It do you know what I mean? I think some people kind of overlook that. Um, but again, if I was out with the boys and you know having a fun time with buggies and a bit of music, my shirt untucked, and not feel like I'm going to get shouted at or um, looked down on, mm-hmm. I would rather be in America for that. So I'm going to give that a point to okay, America. La- last couple then, last few. Um, this is a really interesting one. This is definitely true. Apparently, Britons don't waste time on the range. So because of the golf course in the UK, often there's limited real estate, they're a lot older. People typically might just come, hit a shot in the net, if there is an even, even if there is a net, you know, that's quite a, a lot of golfers don't have a net, some do, hit a couple of shots and then get onto the course. Whereas um, in America, there's a lot more emphasis on going to the range beforehand, hitting 50 balls, and that apparently isn't quite as fun. Um, and it says here that even if you do find a golf course with a range in the UK, the chances are you'll need to supply and collect your own balls, which is, again, true at most golf courses. You take mm. a practice bag or a shag bag full of balls, hit them, then have to collect them in. Yeah, you don't even question it in America. You just presume there's going to be a driving range. You just presume there's going to be nice golf balls laid out for you in nice little pyramids, yeah. typically. Uh, that is better, but I would class yeah, that's better. I'd class as more fun, wouldn't you? That 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 you can go to a range, hit fifty balls before you go and play, and loosen up. Yeah, so you're giving the points, America. Yeah, yeah, but they're saying that that's better in the UK by not no, having that. No, 
way better in America. Because they're saying that we don't waste our time. But I see that as not a waste of time. No. If you pitch up half an hour before your tea time and whack, even if you just whack 20 balls, loosen up, it can be a good laugh with your 100%. friends as well. I, I think America definitely have the practice facilities and warm-up facilities nailed on and again because it comes down to that real estate when they've designed golf course in america they've taken all this into consideration like the much more modern golf courses than we have over yeah. here so they, they, they've really put the emphasis on well where's the practice ground going to be where's the chipping green going to be how is it all going to work together where for us certainly the older golf course the practice ground chipping green putting green it's an afterthought isn't way it? afterthought that that for me is something that as a around where I kind of live, a lot of the golf courses don't have amazing practice facilities. And, no. and to some degree, you could say, well, as long as the course is good. But sometimes after work on a summer's evening, it's lovely going hitting on a lovely chipping green with the massive bunkers and everything. It's, it's really good, isn't it? And certainly yeah. with the practice ground, but something we don't have as good in the UK, definitely. That's where I'd say more modern golf courses here in the UK have had that American inspiration. You're swaying more America here, you know, I think, as a rule now. Yeah. This one, I don't think it'll interest you too much. Apparently, number nine... Uh, in Britain, we tee up, we go on the course more often with our dogs than in America. It's more of a thing over here that oh, golf courses are yeah, let you see your dog on. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've, I've almost not got an opinion on that because I'm not bothered either way. Uh, I'm, then, not, I'm not opposed to it as long as they're responsible and don't let them run in bunkers and crap everywhere. But generally, it doesn't oppose me having a dog on the golf course. It's the last one. So you're very much US here then. And I don't think this last one will. Do you know what but, scores? Can't remember it was like well, I can't remember, but you're definitely going to get more US. The last one, which I don't really see as being a positive for Britain, and it, but it's definitely true, is that Britons play on slower greens. Agreed. And they're saying that that's better because if you're a kind of more average golfer, there's less, obviously, a massive, aggressive, fast putts are going to go past the hole and less three putts, less four putts. So the slower greens are kind of a little bit more uh, easy potentially more interesting and that the maintenance costs are reduced uh, and it can also speed up pace of play because obviously there's less putting and stuff so i'm not sure on that one no really. I, I think america's greens are ridiculously better than our greens so you would disagree <laughs> with this article and you would say that america's americans have more fun on their golf course than we do from those points yeah and and Probably the the big thing is you always think the grass is greener on the other side. Probably if I was American. It literally is greener over yeah. there, probably. If I was American, I'd probably be looking over here and going, yeah, but that sounds quite... So it, it's just different. But I must admit, and this is probably... If, if we're using the word fun as being the main topic on this, I would honestly say Americans do have the setups to make it more fun for golfers. I would say, adding on to that though, for someone again that's never played in America and also trying to get my head into Americans' minds, the perceptions are different. If I was in America, I would imagine every course is like Royal Birkdale in exactly. England, which isn't the case. No. And I also, in my head, I'm thinking that every American course is like some huge, grass. yeah, or like a, a Disney resort, like where it's got, like you said, loads of practice grounds and chipping greens and a huge halfway house. But in reality, I'm sure everyone isn't like that. Yeah. So it's and, probably... And, and I've played some, what I would see as very mediocre golf courses in the UK. Uh, sorry, in the US, as, as I have the UK. And you're right, even the really mediocre ones in the US just still feel like they have some elements of that I think would, would do really well. Like mm. Just, just a, an okay practice ground, but they've got one. And well, like that. the good news is, let's give it maybe five years, we'll open the Rick Shields Golf Course Correct. in England, and it will be the best, of, we'll fuse them both together, Oof. and it'll be the best of both worlds. I like that. Well done, did you enjoy that little... Uh, I did. That was good. Little, that, like, I, could, I could quiz. 
Um, okay, you ready for your Dear Rick? Let's do it. Brought to you by our good friends at Motocaddy. So as we said earlier on, every Dear Rick that gets read out from now and then the next nine weeks is getting put into a special email folder, okay? Which is actually called Motocaddy Dear Rick. That's nice. what I call the folder. I mean, that, yeah. Why not? <laughs> and then at the end of these ten weeks, we're going to put the names into a, either a virtual hat or actually print them out and put them in your real hat, maybe. Whoa. Pick out two. Okay. Number two is going to win, or the first one is going to come second. Ooh. Or should we do the first one first? What would make yeah, more sense? First one first. The so first person is going to win it. Go on. And we could, we could pick the first person, put them to the side, pick the second person. And then open them. Right, okay. Because I, I think first pick should win first prize. That's fair. So first pick, first prize, we'll get rid of second. Correct. Is going to win an electric trolley. I'm not sure of the model yet. Whoa. Find out. It's going to be a good one. Oh, my Proper goodness. electric trolley, motocaddy one. Oh, yeah. so it's a proper, proper prize. Oh, yeah, it's a proper prize. And then <laughs> second place is going to win one of the uh, the hybrid stand bags. So it's a stand bag, but it can fit onto an electric trolley as well. So you've got the I'll option. Tell you what, motocaddy are being very nice to you guys, listeners. Well, they, they want nice to give them back to the audience. So, are you ready for the first one, then? Let's do this. And, and just lastly on this as well, I'm not... They don't always have to be stupidly extravagant. I want to try and have a good mixture of, like, some that are quite serious and kind of quite wholesome, some that maybe are a bit silly. So, if you want to email us in, please do. It's podcast at rickshields.com. I just thought, what about if they want to be anonymous? Well, they, well, so, this today, I'm going to keep anonymous, but obviously I've got his details. So, maybe then, when they get picked out of the house... Uh, out the house? Out the, <laughs> out, out the, out, out the cap... I don't know how we'll communicate to the audience. We'll, we'll refer back to what the email was about. So for okay. today's one is about father-in-law. So we'll call this person Mr. Father-in-law Man or something like that. I don't know. Okay. So remind me, Rick, not to say this person's name because I feel like I'm going to... It's like oh I want to say it, but I'm not going to. Okay. So dear guy and Rick should actually be dear Rick and guy for dear Rick, but we won't, we won't mark you down for that. Um, I have an awkward dilemma. Please help. Okay. Okay. So... You normally close your eyes at this point, Rick, so get into it. <laughs> I played golf as a junior, and I played off a 16 handicap. I stopped playing at 14 years old, as I was in a, a soccer football academy, and I couldn't play with my friends at a weekend. It took up all my time. So he's American. No, he said football, but I use soccer to try and make it more ah, Americanized. Like I think it. of the audience, Rick. Um, now at 30, I've stopped playing football, bracket soccer. So, so I decided now was the time to play golf again, and I started after the first UK lockdown. I joined my local club straight away and took the plunge, got myself the Maverick Driver, four hybrid, the Max Irons and a two-ball fang, obviously two-ball fang putter, so it's gone big. Flex. Uh, finished off with some Nike wedges, and uh, there I went. So he's got but, a really but good... But has th- he got an electric trolley? Who knows, might do in 10 weeks' time. Uh, but this is where his dilemma starts. So, I like the story so far. He's got back into golf. He spent a good chunk of money. Not that you have to. He's obviously wanted to get really into it. but bought some good stuff. Um, but her, the dilemma starts. So, my father-in-law, who plays off a 12 handicap, took me out to the golf course. And it was a great way to start and have a playing partner. The only thing is, I didn't realise he was a PJ Pro and Tour caddy during our rounds. So obviously he's not a PJ Tour Pro or caddy, but that's what he thinks he is when they're playing golf. Uh-oh. So I took his advice a lot of the time, but when I turned uh, into a bit of a golf perv myself, I started to get lessons from a local golf center at Adlington, which is down the road from us, which we oh, know very so well. So he's, oh, he's local. He's local. I'll be very handy to ship that trolley if he wins. <laughs> we'll ride it to him. <laughs> We've improved a lot. With the new handicap system in place, I've managed to get myself to 13 handicaps, so he's one higher than his father-in-law. Um... And I still get lessons on the course um, when I can. Sorry, I, unfortunately, sorry, I still get golf lessons on the course when I don't feel I want his advice anymore. So he's got on to 13, he's having lessons at the golf academy, but his father-in-law, even though he's now as good as him, is still 
giving him lessons and giving him advice that obviously he shouldn't really be listening to because he's seen a PJ Pro. During the second lockdown, my father-in-law stopped playing due to the kind of COVID and the worries of COVID, etc. And this meant I could start playing with different members. I really enjoyed my golf away from him. Plus, I played a lot better without him. Now, the father-in-law is back playing and he keeps booking me down to play with him in competitions and friendly roll-ups. I get a text off my mates asking if I'm playing with them, which I would prefer, but I haven't got the uh, the balls to tell my father-in-law I would prefer to play with other people. And here are the four reasons why I don't like playing with him. <laughs> oh my God. By he, the way, just very quickly, if you're the father-in-law listening to his story, you know this is about you. Well, don't exactly. You? I think the fact we've said it's Adlington. <laughs> Maybe his father-in-law isn't in our demographic. Who knows? But he says this is the four reasons why. Okay. He tees off early, pre-8pm, and I, for a 10am, 8am, yeah, definitely 8pm before, <laughs> 8am, and I prefer a 10am tea time. Okay. And there's a difference there, isn't there? It's be- a little bit finicky, be- yeah, but, yeah, but think about this, 8am, you've got to be at the golf course for at least 7.30, really. Yeah. Let's say there's got to be leaving the house for 7.10, got to be up at half six. Depends if he's got kids, this guy. But I'm saying the 6.30 you go alarm call there. Yeah, yeah. A 10 a.m. can be nice, 8.45, roll out of bed. But that's what I'm saying. It depends if Anonymous, Mr. Father-in-Law, has kids. Because, again, an 8 a.m. doesn't work for people with kids. Because he's got to drop the kids off at school. And a 10 a.m. is, like, perfect. Oh, yeah. but so he's a weekend. He, but even if he's not got kids, I don't have kids. But I'd rather play at 10 than 8, probably, yeah. on a Saturday. Because it gives it a little bit more. It's still an early tea. still done by 2. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Point one. Point two, if I duff a shot, if I hit a bad shot, he gives me a summary of why. Oh, crap. Number three is a really simple one. I prefer playing golf with my mates. Yeah. And then number four, he's an old old school golf etiquette kind of guy. So by that, he's not really elaborated, but I'm guessing, I mean, obviously golf etiquette is necessary, but maybe he goes over the top with stuff, you know, really kind of quite finicky and, you know. So with all those in in place, what can I do? Please help. (laughs) So here, Rick, wow. what, what does he do? That's a tough... That is a tough, tough day, Rick. Crap. Oh, Mull is. It's because it's family as well. It is. Like, if it wasn't family... I think it's almost worse. That if it was his own father, he might be able to say something and say, Dad, oh, yeah. stop giving me them tips. Yeah. Give me a Yeah. It's his father-in-law. It's his wife or his, his boy. I don't know if it's husband or whatever. But it's, it, 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 it's his, his partner's, partner's dad. Dad. It's bloody hard, that one. You know, the only way out I can see, and this isn't dear guy I know, but join another club. Some... Make up a reason why you can't remember that club anymore. Oh, yeah. And say... But that's that's extreme. It is it? extreme, but what else do you do? I think he's just got to grab the bulls by its horns. Is that the right saying? Grab the bull by its horns. Yeah, yeah. that sounded wrong, but it is right. Um, be brave. Tell him. Right, do you want to have... Okay. Um, this is scenario. Role play. I'm okay. the father-in-law. So do you want to ring me or see me in face to face? How do you do it? Uh, you ring me. Ring, ring. <laughs> ring, ring. Got like, oh, oh crap! It's the the bloody father-in-law ring, again. Ring. Oh god, I don't want to answer it. Okay, I'm going to do it. Okay. Ring, ring. Hello, Rick. She's speaking. Now then, Sunny Jim, how are you getting on, mate? Fancy a tea time? Eight a.m. tomorrow morning. I'll pick you up on where. I got a pie in the oven, ready for you. Hello? <laughs> I didn't expect that going that way. Uh, I can't hear you. 
Uh, I, Jim. Um, I, yeah. Um, when, when did you say we're going to see you? Off? <laughs> when did you say we're going to see you? 8 a.m. Got your port pint, nothing. Yeah, you're just blowing everyone's ears out. Um, Jim, uh, okay, a bit of an issue. Uh, I can't do 8 a.m. tomorrow. Um, I much prefer to play 10 a.m. You are? 10 a.m.? It's afternoon. <laughs> Sorry, I'm playing. <laughs> 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 but, but right, I'm gonna stop the accent now. But we always play 8 a.m. You like the 8 a.m. tea time? But is it, Jim? I don't. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, sorry, I feel like I'm breaking. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's harder because I can see your face and you look really upset. <laughs> feel like a FaceTime. Uh, okay, maybe that doesn't work. <laughs> Oh crap! I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll play. I'll play at eight. <laughs> I'll see you at eight. I'll see you then, son. <laughs> uh, Everyone's happy, <laughs> but, but not him. I think we're giving the jolly. I think as compensation, we give him a prize. Um, oh my god! I don't know. Now my shout for joining the club doesn't sound that bad. Oh, what do I do if, if, and hopefully, I don't think my father-in-law listens, my wife might do, might pick up on this. What does it, it doesn't annoy me luckily, but if he did, what would I do? Do you meet him halfway? Do you go with every other week? So you just say to him, look, Brian, um, I want to play on Saturday at 8am, but the following week I'm playing with the lads at 10 so, uh, and he'll go, oh, oh, okay. And then you do it that way. And then slowly you wean your way off him. Yeah, that's not a bad shout, is it? Or, no, I was going to say, does he make an, a story at why he has to be in the house till 8 o'clock and then he can only play at 10? I don't know. Oh, God, father-in-laws and bloody nightmares, aren't they? That's really good, that. I don't know. I'm stumped. I think that's, that's a good way. Wean him off. Or if, if you are ballsy enough, just say... I can't. I don't want to play with you at eight o'clock. Yeah, I want to play with my mates at ten. Maybe do that and let us know how it goes. And on the the bright, the, the positive note, you could win an electric trolley. I've got a better Go idea. On. Just split up from his wife or yes. girlfriend. Or have, have an affair. Yeah, and then yeah, he'll be annoyed at you for having an affair. Correct. Perfect. So we... just so it's announced on the podcast, Rick Shields endorses affairs. <laughs> Mar- extra marital affairs. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's his only way out. Move on. <laughs> the, the, the grass is always greener as we said in this podcast already. move to America get a massive golf course with a big halfway hut meet up with Cindy yes that that girl you went to college with but kind of fell out of love with yeah but she moved over to the States and you, you thought I, could I have had has a chance for Cindy she had plastic Cindy? surgery done because I feel like she has 100% yeah. yeah lipo plastic surgery lip fillers everything breasts breasts <laughs> and, and just just go and enjoy yourself and and Cindy's um, dad yeah uh Big Hank. He's got a few quid, I feel like. He's got a few quid, but he's, he's nice as pie. Okay. I mean, yeah. might rib you every time he sees you. Give us a little punch in the ribs, but you can take that. Yeah. He doesn't play golf. He hates golf. Yeah. He hates it with a passion. He thinks you're the dweeb for playing golf. Is he into... I feel like he's got a collection of something. Um, classic cars, maybe. Yeah, classic cars or like... Um, he likes poker. He really into his poker. He, he actually collects... Um, Hood caps off cars. Okay. Like, like special edition ones. Right. He goes to conventions. But yeah, go meet up with Cindy. Get rid of Sandra. 
and you, you're laughing. Motor caddy, I do apologise about this. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> we'll be better next week, I promise. Um, so that was the deal, Rick. If you wow. want to get yours read out and get some absolutely top quality advice from Rick Shields, PJ Gold Professional, email podcast at rickshields.com. We will try our best to answer I'm, them. I'm actually sweating. My hands are like sweaty. That, um, was a, that was a good one, that. So that, I've also got <laughs> um, a nightmare golf story. Okay. As I always do with these, I kind of preempt it with, it's not the best ever. And I think it's because I don't know what I'm expecting. I don't know what I actually want from a nightmare golf shot story anymore. I think we've had some such amazing ones. But today I've gone for a really simple, classic, standard. Just a nice little bad shot, basically. Okay. So um, this is from Kobe Long. I, I think I can... I can use his name because there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to but basically he says the following is something that happened to me during a monthly medal competition I uh, teed up on the back nine and started with a bogey and a hard par four but I wasn't feeling too bad at the beginning of my round the next hole number 11 is an uphill par three it's about 189 yards from the whites I get on the tee box hit a five iron and land the ball about three and a half foot to four foot from the hole so I'm thinking great I've got a really good chance to get back to even par and this downhill slight left to right breaking put but Nothing too difficult. We're playing partners are getting the measuring tapes to check out if I've um, won close to the pin. Um, it's a really re- relaxed and, and kind of loose atmosphere with my playing partners. As I'm standing over the ball, I'm thinking, I've got this. I'm going to get it in for a birdie too. I then proceed to put the ball and it slides by about two and a half foot. So he's pretty much giving himself the same length of put back. Um, I just go to take this as an easy par put, knock it in, no big deal. Same thing happens, and it slides by again. I'm starting to get a little bit annoyed at this point. After missing my third putt in a row, my playing partner says, don't pull off an early L's and six, don't do an early L's and six putt it. As the putts keep on going, they're all within a four foot radius. Needless to say, I walked off the green with a seven after landing it just four foot from the pin. Oh my God. This ruined my mindset and ended a tournament with a, hunt, with a net 125. Needless to say, the next uh, several weeks spent grinding on the practice putting green. Love and the podcast. Net 127. That's what, 125. Wow. So he... Um, what, was he what handicap was Well, he didn't say his handicap, um, but <coughs> I'm guessing he was... Well, I don't know. He's, he's, he's six-putted from three and a half foot, which is pretty impressive. Wow. I feel like I need to see, I'd love to see a clip of that, because that would go viral. I feel like a six-putt from that distance is probably harder than it is to hold it. That's mad, isn't it? Bit yippy. So if you've got a nightmare golf story as good as that yeah. or better, feel free to email us again, <laughs> podcastbookshields.com. Um where we, we fire through some questions? Yeah, We're on an hour. Oh, are we on an hour? Well, I've asked for Facebook questions, but I must admit I've not actually looked at the responses yet. Well, let's just fire through a few fast ones. Okay. Fast-paced. Have you, you don't need to find them. I'll find them. Oh, I'll okay. think, oh, go on. No. I'm still laughing at what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't before. know if that'll, that'll come out with the audio if it's a bit too loud. Oh, no, it's funny. Um... <laughs> It's hard to find the questions now. I've got it. Um, just before we get on to the questions, um, we had... Did you see the tweet about last night? It really actually made me cry, I'll be honest. You did, oh, yeah, you liked I did. it. We had, and I'll read this out loud because um, it was done as, a, as an Apple review, so it's there for the kind of public to see. But we had... Um, I won't read it all, it was quite a long review, but somebody left a review, and I think I'm welling up now, actually. He said, um, just a thank you from our family, which is five stars. And to Derek and Guy, I just want to drop you a message to, to firstly, thank you for the brilliant podcasts and videos. Um, 
over the past six weeks, my father has been in ICU with COVID and sadly passed away last week. Your podcast really kept him going in hospital and certainly helped me entertained during the difficult days walking around the hospital. Um, and that was, That's I mean, really we've, nice. we've had some amazing messages, but that one, I mean, I, I hate to use the word helped. I, I don't think we've helped in any way, shape or form, but to provide some level of um, comfort to the, to the listener and his father when he was obviously still with us was, was amazing. So I sometimes joke about getting negative comments and I get to attach them sometimes, but comments like that, you think flipping it, like that's what it's about, isn't it? Working well yeah. enough again now. Oh, it, just, nice. it just was there. And he, it was the fact that he said he's... When I first read it, I thought he'd said that he listened to it, which he did, but the fact his father was listening as well, who sadly passed oh, away. It was, that's uh, lovely. Just what you needed. Yeah. Uh, I've got some questions. Uh, Nick. Go. Nick Highland. First off, great podcast. Second, I live in Augusta, Georgia. Oh, nice. My whole life, I have never been able to secure master's tickets. Oh, my days. How would you feel living so close to a popular prestigious tournament but never been able to go? Devastated. That's horrendous, that, Mm. isn't it? That's something, and this is a bold shout now, that kind of, well, for me, the Open is the my favourite major and it always will be partly yeah. because I'm from England and it's obviously often held in well in Britain or whatever that's one thing that puts me off the Masters a bit yeah. it's the super super exclusivity of it and do you know what I think would really annoy him I'm literally on his Facebook page now and it says from Augusta Georgia anybody he speaks to in the golfing world or, or where are you from Nick oh, I'm from uh, I'm from Augusta Georgia whoa yeah. You must go to the Masters every year, and he's yeah. got to say, no, I've never been. I mean, I would almost ask him, you must have played Augusta. Yeah. like that's what, If you live in Augusta, I presume you must have played it. I don't know how or where. Like, he's tagged himself in top golf in Augusta. He had he got crisp, he got a um, full set of clubs for Christmas, everything, yet he's never been to the Masters. It's a, it's a strange one, because you've got to either pay through the nose to go or be very lucky in the ballot. Yeah. That's it. And you're right, compared to the Open, where you can literally go, it just because you can I, buy a ticket. I absolutely adore the Open. Um, that is, you're right, that is one thing that kind of would... Following on from that one, Niall Austin asked on the same thread, if you won the Masters, what would your meal be? I think we've probably done this before, but why it's the Masters week, what would your meal be, Rick? You won the Masters in 2020, November, you beat DJ in the playoff that nobody knows about, but you did. Okay. And um, I also won the year before in 2019, so I'm coming to your meal. I've got my green jacket, fits really well. What are we having for dinner? Okay. These don't go together, but they're my favourite Chalk and cheese. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go, first off, uh, pate, starter. I'm out straight away. All right, wow. Go on. But there's an option to have ribs. Okay. I'd rather <laughs> have some chicken tenders, but fine. Carry on. Um, I just like pate, starter. Yeah. That's it. And then I'd have proper, proper, proper traditional fish and chips. Mm. But like whale-sized fish. Yeah. Like fish, proper, proper, nice home-cooked chips, mushy peas, the works. Yeah. And then, I'm not a big dessert fan, even though you wouldn't think that looking at me, but <laughs> um, I would go with, um, what would I go with? What's my, f- like creme brulee dessert. Mm. So none of them go together, but that's kind that's of what i your pick. choice, isn't it? What would you go with? I think, and this is a controversial one when it's like such a big event, but a proper nice big cheeseburger. So like, not just some little pathetic McDonald's one. I'm talking like a proper big thick piece of like prime cut steak burger with cheese, burger sauce, too much sauce borderline. And also, this is a controversial shout now, and I accept any hate for this, so please do feel free to hate me for this. I'm not opposed sometimes to having a burger with a knife and fork. 
if it's very, very saucy, because you can get really into it without the sauce getting on your hands. Rick gave me a horrendous look Interesting. there. <laughs> have you never had a burger with a knife and fork? I might have cut one in half, but I yeah. still want to pick it up. You can if you want. Um, from Tom Ras- Ransom. Oh, did you do dessert? No. Um, I don't know. I'm not bothered about dessert. Starter, starter? Starter would be like some really nice chicken tenders with buffalo sauce. You're very American. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I think, yeah. I was going to do an American accent then, but I couldn't think of one I time. feel like I'd want to go... My choice is, is like fish and chips because I just feel like it, it's the popular thing to to get food that you kind of grew up with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's yeah because if you get yeah, it's so your I think time. Like Danny Willett it? did like a Sunday roast or whatever. That'd be good. Um, Tom Ransom, hey guy Rick, love the podcast and all the content you guys give us all week in week out from around the globe. Nice. Here's one from a standard Aussie lad in regards to Rick's departure with Nike. Mm. would rick ever sign up with another apparel sponsor or even with nike again if approached or does he feel like no sponsors are better for his podcast uh, for his product sorry in regards to fans opinions and having new fan trust his delivery of the product reviews etc well i think that on the last line there i never felt for one second nike um um swayed people's opinions about my product reviews because oh, no. I, that was the reason why I wore Nike because they didn't make golf products like golf clubs when I started wearing Nike. So for me, I never felt like the sponsor. I've always been very selective with clothing brands. We've had quite a lot of clothing brand um, approaches in the last few weeks, as you can imagine, with the video after Nike. So there's some exciting ones potentially in the pipeline. Um, I probably would just sway from brands who are associated with manufacturers. Your Pumas, your yeah. Footjoys. That, that's my only one because I just feel like for me personally, if I am testing a product uh, from a driver company and I can say this blue in the face, I'm not going to be biased and everything else. I think if anybody sees you wearing the brand of the company, yeah. it can't help but sway people into thinking you're going to be biased. Um, would I ever sign with a power brand again? Yes, definitely. Would I ever sign with Nike again? Yes, potentially. It's just got to be more on my terms rather than what they were trying to put across. We, I think we can say this. We kind of, in a way, and we, this is fine, we want our cake and eat it. We want you to be wearing a power brand and get paid for it, but we don't want to do loads and loads to push it down people's throat, do we? Because we just don't want to offend the viewer. The viewer comes first at the end of the day, and that's the decision we've made at the moment, that yeah. the viewer came before Nike. Yeah. So the will, there is brands out there that are willing to let us have our cake and eat it, but it's just trying to find the right one, isn't yeah, it, ultimately? It. If, if, let's just say... Um, that's stupid. I'm going to say Gucci because they don't make golf. So I don't want to say golf brand. Let's say Gucci approached you and said, we want to pay you to wear our clothing, um, but you've got to do all this stuff all the time. It's like, well, no. no. If it's not going to add value to my viewer and annoy them and become just noise, it's yeah, not exactly. happening. And, and that's the thing. That's where we're at at the moment. There's there's lots of talks and lots of opportunities. But like I say, some brands will want kind of, they want the cake and eat it. And we're like, no, actually, we, we add the value. Yeah. We're the value piece. Like, you kick me out with the clothing. I think the next clothing sponsor will just be like, get loads of new attention, yeah. as you would imagine, because from all the hype we made about Nike. Um, but like I say, and I think we made it super clear in that video, it wasn't a, a, a negative split with Nike. It's just that they wanted a different path than what we want, or what I mm-hmm. wanted, really. Uh, I still love the clothes. I'm still wearing a lot of it now. So um, stay tuned. I think there's some exciting things on the horizon. I would never say no to Nike if the, if the option was right. Um, but also, yeah, I am potentially looking for an, a parallel sponsor. Yeah. 
So if Gucci is listening, email Guy. Yeah. And we can get the ball rolling. Um, one more. If you've got one. Feels weird you find the questions. I quite like it. Uh, are these on today's thing, by the uh, way? Yeah, I've not seen these ones you've asked. If you were a biscuit, what kind of biscuit are you? <laughs> um, uh, no. Give me an unpopular golf opinion. Can be anything. Oh, I've got I'm good at this. Give um, me an unpopular golf opinion. My favourite one is that the Ryder Cup's overrated, which I've done before on the podcast. New yeah. listeners might not be aware of. Um, custom fitting. Custom yeah. fitting's overrated. <laughs> um, can I give an... Um, <laughs> let me think. An unpopular opinion. Um, I've got another one, actually. I think there's become a culture now that it's almost... Um, People should be ashamed by buying new clubs because the people know now that technology has plateaued with drivers, with irons, with everything really. So therefore, if you've got a set of clubs that are five years old or ten years old, there's absolutely no need to swap them. And I completely agree with that. But also, I've seen sometimes a bit of a culture online when a brand brings out a new product and people buy it. Sometimes they get a bit negative. They go, why have you bothered with that? It's no better than last year's or whatever. But equally, if you've worked hard and you've got some cash to spend and you want a new driver, it's absolutely fine to buy one as long as you're not under the illusion that it's going to perform massively any better than last year's. don't know if that's quite a one or not. I think it is. I don't know if I've got one. Lastly, as well, actually, another one. I think you agree with this. Well, you do. You've said it before. I also think it's another opinion when people like so Bentley make golf clubs and yes. charge about six grand for a golf club. Yes. It drives people insane. I love it. Yeah, because Bentley make hundred thousand pound, four hundred thousand pound cars. Their golf clubs aren't claiming. Whereas the cars do perform amazing, their golf clubs aren't claiming to be better than Titleist. Well, they might, be, but they're not going to be. But for that consumer that just wants to buy stupid expensive stuff, and I think there's a place for it. Agreed. Unpopular opinion. I think, and I think, well, I think novelty head covers should be banned. I'd agree. Like, <clears throat> proper novelty ones. Like, like having your own logo on your driver, for example. <laughs> <laughs> That's not novelty, but like, like Popeye head yeah. covers. I know someone in mind you're thinking of here. Yeah, Rob Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we tell you, remember, we should get him on the podcast. We'd be good one, Rob Potter. Let's get him on the podcast soon. Okay. I, think, I think we've given him enough In the new studio, passion. we'll get him in. Yeah, exactly. Rob Potter, if you're listening, or someone tell Rob if he's not. Um, what else? That's about it. Um, that's been a good one. Really good. Um, if you... Oh, by the way, last thing. Um, a lot of... Um, a lot of people are queuing up to play me in the golf world. That's because you shout the odds all the time. A lot of people. I think a lot more will want to play me after they see me shoot 77. <laughs> um, last couple of things then, just a bit of housekeeping. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast and you're on Apple and you want to rate it, if you've not done already, please do. We appreciate every single review. And certainly ones like that one we read out earlier on, that was just, I mean, they're not all going to be like that, but that was just ridiculous. That was so, um, we felt so humbled by that. But please give us five stars, hopefully. That's always nice. Any emails, podcast at rickshields.com. Check out the Instagram, etc. at the Rick Shields Golf Show. Um, and also, don't forget that you need to make it your ambition to get into the clubhouse. So if you've listened to every single episode of the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, you're in the clubhouse. It's becoming a very elite club. And we always like it. People leave comments and say, I'm in the clubhouse. Because they know what's going down if you're in the clubhouse. Uh, thanks to our sponsor as well. 
Moto Caddy. We were not going to push it down your throat all the time, so don't worry about that. We wanted to get a sponsor on board that we felt we believed in, believed in the product, but didn't want too much from us. So that's going to be really exciting for the next nine weeks. It's going to be good. Guys, thanks for listening to episode 69 of the Rich Shields Golf Show podcast. Enjoy the Masters and uh, come on Lee Westwood. Yep. <laughs> just one sec- second, Matt. just going to do the intro, so don't. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.